Well, to say that we are living in unexpected times uh, is sure an understatement, isn't it? Uh, we have had so much change. Even a month ago, who would have thought that we would be having a church service like this, staring into it, our computer screens? Who would have thought Easter would be celebrated this way? Who would have thought that we would have a near-global shutdown and that we would be potentially arrested for driving to our shacks? Uh, this has been an upending this coronavirus season. Uh, it's done that for people on all spheres of life. And yet, as one of my friends said during the week, it's kind of fitting that it, with this unexpected air about us, we remember the Easter story. Because who would have thought God would send a king like Jesus? He's talked about in our passage from Luke 23 today as the Messiah, God's chosen one. And yet he's treated like a criminal. He's tortured. He's crucified. He also has prayers of hope and promises of hope on his list. It's all very unexpected, actually. Uh, all of us have been affected by coronavirus in some way. And I think it's made all of us, whether we would call ourselves religious or not, open to hope. Unexpectedly, perhaps to ourselves, open to hope. Uh, just when we suspended Sunday services for Wellspring, we were in a season of uh, preaching in two of our four congregations, looking at the kingdom of God. We were thinking about his kingdom having freedom, having a character and culture of what we're about to get to, healing and righteousness as well. But I could have easily talked in one of those weeks about hope. That is who God is, a God of hope who establishes a kingdom of hope. And Good Friday is a day of hope. This passage screams out hope in so many ways. It's no doubt people have suffered countless, uh, countlessly and uh, incalculably through this coronavirus season. It's doubtless that people have lost their lives and the horror of that needs to be lamented. Some of us have spent some time in prayer and fasting so far today. It's vital that we come to God and say, what is going on? Can you please move? We confess our sins. We call out to you in desperation. And yet it's also important that we do the compliment, naming horror and naming hope on a day like today. So on Good Friday, we name Jesus. King, King of our hope. And I just want to remind us of two simple parts of hope that emerge out of our story. It's the prayer of hope and the price of hope. Firstly, the prayer of hope, or actually there are two prayers of hope in our passage today. The first is verses 32 to 34. And Jesus is taken with two criminals to be executed, and when they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right, one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. Now Luke 23 is full of Old Testament promises fulfilled through Jesus. And this is one of them. Psalm 22 speaks of a man who is faithful to God, who loves God, who is abandoned, who is maligned who is persecuted and whose clothes are divided and gambled over. Jesus steps into these realities as he fulfills these promises. And in the midst of it, he has a posture. I am struck today by Jesus' prayerful posture. Father, forgive them. 
they don't know what they're doing. Don't you find it amazing? This is a man who would teach his disciples to love their enemies, to bless them, not curse them, to pray for them. And here he is doing it at a moment where he so could have easily have traded blow for blow. Interestingly, Stephen, who's often called the church's first martyr, has very similar words on his lips when he is stoned to death. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I find that amazing. And then as we see that prayer that is a hope-establishing prayer from Jesus, uh, it leads us to a different kind of prayer from someone else to Jesus. Verses 39 to 42. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God, since you, are not under, since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, we might say, then he prayed, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So the soldiers in the crowd, this first criminal, they just don't get it, do they? They don't know why they needed Jesus' prayer of hope. They don't really acknowledge their need for forgiveness. They also don't know that by Jesus hanging there on the cross, he establishes hope. We're going to get to that in a moment. This guy, though, this second criminal, seems to get it. He seems to get it. We know that because he prays a prayer of hope. He sees in Jesus a way for his sins to be dealt with. We don't know his crimes. Another gospel refers to these men as having, in effect, been freedom fighters, their crimes being political uprising against Rome. We might call him a terrorist in our language. And he knows he's getting back what his sins deserve. And he prays this prayer of hope. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he's heard it's a hope he receives. You heard it from Jesus himself. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So the irony of the crowd's insults and the irony of the sign that sat above Jesus' head on the cross was that it was all true. It's just that it was so unlike what they were thinking of God's Messiah, the Chosen One, the King of the Jews. And yet, Jesus' death there, seemingly humiliating and pointless, is the very means of establishing hope. And it's how he, Jesus, can make such an audacious-sounding promise to this criminal. Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus responds to a prayer of hope with the gift of hope. It's so simple. It is that simple to receive hope from Jesus. Pray. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a simple for us, for me and for you, as it was for this criminal, to turn from our life of sin and rejection of God and to turn to him in prayer. And we receive. It's no conditions. Today you'll be with me in paradise. It's simple, but it's not easy. Let's not make that mistake. It's simple, but not easy, because hope has a price. There is a price that Jesus pays to establish hope. Verses 44 to 46 tells us how that went. 
It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three, because the sun's light faded. The curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle, and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. Saying this, he breathed his last. You know, this wasn't the first time Jesus went up to a high place and had men standing either side of him. You might remember Mark 9, there's a story in other parts of the scriptures as well, called the Transfiguration. It's an account where Jesus heads up with Peter, James and John, his close circle of friends, and they uh, enter this mountain space. God visits with heavenly glory from heaven and, and shows Peter, James and John who Jesus really is, the glory that he had before he came to earth. He is in his clothing, transfigured, that is, is made dazzlingly, blindingly white. And these men got to see a vision of Elijah and Moses. This was the company Jesus kept. This was the kind of fulfillment that he was, both all that Elijah was meant to be and all that Moses was meant to be. And God speaks. You hear his voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And you go a few months ahead. Witness with me what the price of hope really is. How high is this cost that Jesus paid? Whereas at the transfiguration, Peter, James and John came up the mountain with Jesus. At the cross, Jesus has no one. All his friends have scattered. It says in Luke 23, 49, they stand a great distance away. Whereas at the transfiguration, Elijah and Moses were the company Jesus kept. Either side of Jesus at the cross are two criminals, two terrorists. Whereas in the transfiguration, Jesus had glory. He enjoyed that moment of being shown the heavenly glory from the Father. And he was dazzlingly white in his clothing. At the cross, he's near naked, grimy, bloody, and far from being lit up with light, there is darkness covering the earth. Perhaps the most costly of all, the shift from the transfiguration to the cross was the speech of the Father to the silence of the Father. This is my beloved son, listen to him. But at the cross, nothing. Silence from heaven. Of course Jesus could have saved himself. Of course he could have listened to those pleas, those mock, those mockings and scoffings from the crowd, from the first criminal. If he'd done that, he would not have saved us. He chose. Out of love, he chose to save us. He paid the high price of hope. It's good news because of what that hope is secures. Have a look at verse 45 again with me. The curtain of the sanctuary was split down the middle. You will know this if you've been a Christian for a while. The symbolism is stark and so beautiful. The temple had this heavy curtain separating the most holy place from all the other people. This was a place where once a year one man going through all sorts of cleansing rituals could go and access the presence of God. It was where he said he would dwell. Here, as soon as Jesus dies, that curtain is ripped from top to bottom. It's a clear symbol. Now, without access, now you have access. Now, you have a way to go to the Father. 
into the very presence of the throne room of heaven through the curtain, actually the broken body of Jesus. You and I are not political terrorists hanging on a cross next to Jesus. But you and I are offered the same gift, the same chance, the same choice of hope. Will we take it? Will we hear Jesus' invitation? Will we be as honest as the thief on the cross was about misery without him? Will we be as attuned to the offer today? You'll be with me in paradise. Simple, not easy. Because in order to save us truly, Jesus had to hang there. Couldn't get off there. What love. What love. Would you join with me in closing in prayer, thanking Jesus for this gift of love? Let's do that now. Oh Lord Jesus, your grace is giving us what we do not deserve, as well as not giving us what we do deserve. We thank you for your giving your life. We thank you for giving us hope. We want to be carriers of that hope to a city, a state, a nation, a world that desperately needs it. We thank you so much for this gift. In your name we pray this Easter. Amen.